0: Good morning. morning. Welcome, City Harbor Church. Good to see you today. And uh, kids, you are released to the craft section of the room. So glad that we can be together today. So, and you think about the average American uh, this month with the Movies and music and whatnot that maybe doesn't have any idea of the Bible stories. What do you think uh, this time of year means to them? Anyone? Yeah. Presence, okay. Stuff. I gotta get some stuff. I got my wish list. Is your wish list updated? Yeah. Family, uh-huh. Yeah? Yeah, the Hallmark Channel, there's love stories. If you live in the city, you go to the country. If you live in the country, you go to the city. <laughs> yeah. Wook and Penub and all the wrong places, right? Uh, anybody else? Decorations. Decorations. I said festivities. Festivities. Well, I, I uh, um, definitely spent a lot of years of my life where, where those uh, things were not joyful. You know, working a full-time job and volunteering with the church and that just means there's like extra extra to me like christmas was extra like work had a party the kids you know the soccer team had a party this had anyone you know like extra okay jesus followers what does jesus birth mean to us hope hope Emmanuel, God with us. Anyone else? What does Jesus' birth mean to us? Some of you noticed last week I posted a thing on the question, is Christmas a pagan holiday and some historical context for Jesus' followers. Jesus' followers, what does Jesus' birth mean to you? Salvation. Salvation. God made a way that I could be forgiven, my guilt removed, given a new spiritual heart, new spiritual life, the hope of heaven. Sorry, oh, uh, Eileen, go ahead. We have a God who experienced human suffering. That's right. Gideon: something: Something new. Refreshing. This morning, I want to uh, turn to Luke uh, chapter 1. I want to invite us into the story, following Mary on a thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. You know, I I remember here, here in the area where we live, you can go to museums where you can see coins from that date back to when Jesus walked the earth. I, I remember the first time I saw one of those and was like, whoa. Like, you know, Mary and Joseph could have used this coin. Like, That just like hit me. Mary is a real person. You know, someday you can meet Mary. Have you ever thought about that? Someday you can meet Mary. A real person. So let's let's follow her on her thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. Luke 1, starting in verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, "'Greetings.'" Favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be Holy, you will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son Is now in her sixth month. For the Word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what He said. Mary responded with a song. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped His servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is... Truly amazing. And, and we have a lot of details that I think welcome us into the story, that help us engage with the story, place ourselves in the room. And we talk about miracles, and I think, honestly, it may be a greater stretch to believe in the miracles of this story of Jesus' birth than it is that God would do a miracle for you or the other miracles later in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. If we take it seriously, if we we really engage with it. And I think Mary points the way. I think Mary gives us an example. I think Mary leads us on a journey. And as each of us in in this time of year that can be extra would be best served to really engage with the Holy Spirit who's involved in this story and not become indifferent to God but carve out more time to be engaged with God, relationally engaged with God, to put ourselves into this story, into the truth that is revealed here. It's both Mary and Elizabeth have interactions with the Holy Spirit that are unique, that are powerful. We see in verse uh, 29 that when, when... the angel appears, and Gabriel appears to Mary, she's confused and disturbed. Uh, most translations say troubled. And, and if an angel entered your room, you think you might be? And it, say, it says this, and, and I want you to think about this, right? Dr. Luke, this at the beginning of this chapter, it says, they carefully investigated all the eyewitness reports and wrote them down so that Jesus' followers could be more confident that what they believed was actually true. So this is Mary's personal story. This is and how did they know this? Because they knew Mary. At the time of this writing, they'd known Mary for decades. They knew her. They, this is her personal story. So she's the one who was able to say, I was confused and disturbed. And isn't it reasonable that she would be that way? Am I really seeing an angel? Is this a hallucination? Did I get some bad food last night? Remember, there's no refrigeration, no microwaves. What, what, what is going on here? And then most translations use the word wondered. Wondered after confused and disturbed. And this word wondered is actually an accounting term of that day for people that were tabulating their taxes to Caesar. It's an accounting term. It means she added it all up. She made an audit. She was, it's, a, it's an intensely rational word. She's saying in her own account of what happened that before what the angel said next, that with that first thing that Gabriel said, she was adding it all up. She was reasoning. She was was confused and disturbed and then she was using her reason to try to figure out, is this real? Is this really happening? And what does it mean that God is with me? It's it's an intentionally... um, You know, in in a few days, Charlotte returns from college for a Christmas vacation. I'm so excited about that. And as our firstborn, she was the first little one that I remember her saying something and me having this lightning bolt of, wow, this is not just a little child, this is a person. (laughs) And and this is an intensely rational person. Logical person. This is, this, there's a, a whole intellect here. I think we, we would make a mistake if we look at Bible characters and assume that they're not as smart as us. Not as evolved as us. Not as emotionally developed as us. Have you ever spent enough time in a different country that's really different than ours and come to realize that people live different, talk different, have a different life experience, but are still every bit as intelligent as any of us? Mary is, is a county. She was adding it up, making an audit of it. What is happening? What does this mean? But we also, in the past, we've talked about the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And what happens there? And you guys know that it's, it's a, a favorite story of mine because there's a little bit of comedy there. But we actually see a contrast in the realm of doubt. Zechariah had an angel appear to him to predict the miracle birth of John the cousin of Jesus, who would be called the Baptist. And his response to the angel was, how can I be sure? And he he had this speech of, of the reasons of how it couldn't happen, which included, I'm old. And the angel heard him and knew his heart and said, since you didn't believe, you will be silent. See, there's a kind of doubt that is a sign of a closed mind. And there's a kind of doubt that's a sign of an open mind. Some doubt seeks answers, and some doubt is a defense against the possibility of answers. There are people like Mary who are open to the truth and willing to relinquish sovereignty over their lives if they can be shown that the truth is other than what they thought. And there are those who, like Zechariah at that first interaction, who use doubt as a way of staying in control of their lives and keeping their minds closed. Which kind of doubt do you have? Let's follow Mary in her journey. So her thoughtful journey, it it really is a journey that we see in these moments and in the days that followed. Her journey includes learning. She doesn't immediately accept the message at face value, but instead there's this question of how can it be? And, and she shows responding in faith is a whole person a, a, experience. And she asks the angel, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. This shows that even in her reason there is faith and it's a sign of an open mind. She's saying, tell me more. She's keeping the conversation going. She's saying, I want to learn more. And the the truth of the matter is that conversion and acceptance comes at different speeds to different people. That there's learning in the journey. So when we think about what we talked about at the beginning of this time in our Q&A time, what the birth of Jesus means, I want you today and in these next couple weeks to spend time to really investigate it. Think about it. Spend time with it as a means to have a personal interaction with the living God. And it should engage your learning. You're asking questions. You're asking God to say more. Say more. What we also see in these moments is that there's a receiving Mary says in, in verse 38, she responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And I think when, when I look at the Greek and I look at the situation of what's going on and what's being described, I think it's reasonable for us to say that a part of what she's saying is, okay, it doesn't all make sense to me, but I will pursue it. I will receive it. I will follow it. I will trust despite my fears and reservations. And I think that's something we can understand when we look at the contrast between what the interaction was between her and Gabriel and then what happened a few days later when she had a few more days to journey with it personally in her heart as is referenced later. Some of you have read my mom's book, The Journey of a Mother's Heart. She's journeying in her heart in this interaction with God. And it goes from learning, receiving, and then it's exercising faith. And wow, do we see her intellect that has reasoned a theological foundation, an emotional response, and faith that's exercised in a wholehearted devotion in her song. The singer says, Mary, did you know? we look at this song and we get an idea of what she knew. And she knew a lot in those few days as an Israelite teenager, as a Jewish teenager in her own schooling, in memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and, and what we see in her song is prophets referenced. And the promise that God gave to Abraham referenced. Wow! Like it! It's intense. But what we see is that it expresses wholehearted faith that she's exercising. Verses 46 and 47. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She understood. She had theological depth of God's covenants. And what this meant. And we see that in how she connected it with the promise that God gave Abraham. Let's go back to it. She quotes some things that God said, some things that prophets said. God shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. Now she's referencing that God is a God of justice, righteousness, and mercy. She's saying God is a God of justice and mercy. And she's remember, she's living in a time where the Romans were ruling the Jewish people. The Greeks had come through and conquered, there had been war, there was injustice. There had been 400 years since the last prophet had spoken. She's referencing history and theology, the law and the prophets, God's way of communicating and making available relationship that is profoundly transformative. Has your life been changed by God? Does God see and notice oppression? Grief and sorrow and loss as was referenced by Chiquetta in our time of worship and prayer today. God has sc- scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped His servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. God, in Your wrath, remember Mercy. The prophets cried out. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary realizes that God through her, through her receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit overwhelming her, through, she realizes that God would be fulfilling his promise to Abraham centuries before to bless all people through that ancestry. Fulfilling God the promise keeper. But in it all, she submits to God's will. And she gives her heart joyfully. So we see faith and reason, theologically grounded, joyfully, gladly, humbly submitting to the will of God. When I think about the ugliness that's expressed in some Christmas movies and even some Icky Christmas songs, we see toxic selfishness, right? When I think about what following Jesus and what God's love revealed to us exhibits is that God's love gives, that agape love is giving, and that that's what it inspires in other a generosity. That's the miracle that happens even in Mary's heart. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow Mary on that journey. It's a a thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. Timothy Keller wrote this, "In in the end, faith always moves beyond mental assent. Meaning like, you can just check the box in your brain, okay, I accept that about God. Faith always moves beyond that and beyond duty and will involve the whole self mind, will, and emotions. God has to open our hearts, help us break through our prejudices and denials. Mary's thinking was convinced, feelings captivated, and her will gladly surrendered. Everyone in this room, we are on a journey. We're all on a journey. And... Every one of us in our journey, there's something more to be learned and to bring change about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus for each of us. Not a single person in this room has learned everything there is to know, has experienced everything there is to experience. Now I've spent time conversing with you all. And some of you know a lot about it. But I want to say to you that there is something yet more for you to discover about the good news of Jesus that can bring peace, that can bring joy, that can bring life change. For some reason over the past few weeks, I've been experiencing flashbacks. I've been... Suddenly, out of the blue, reminded of life experiences going way back in my life workplaces and school and friends and interactions, and some good and some bad, and doing all this naturopath herbalistic stuff and melatonin and stuff. Again, I have all these more dreams and whatnot. It's been kind of weird. But a part of that. I've been thinking a lot about these last few years. I, I saw, last week, I saw this picture of Rebecca and I a few, a few uh, months before COVID hit, and then that January 6th, and all the other things that followed, and Keith's passing, and some people moving away, and some people that we loved passing, and... For some reason, I just found myself thinking about what we've lost, what we've suffered. These last three years have not been easy for any of us. For a, I think about what I know about everyone in this room. There's not a person in this room that these last few years that it has been easy for. I'm reminded of Psalm 139 and how God knows perfectly, with complete detail, our life experiences and us personally. For some reason, in the flashbacks that I've been having, I've been having these flashbacks about people that misunderstood me. Once, as a college student, I was laid off on Christmas Eve. <laughs> that was cold. Like, I guess I'm, I'm, not, never, I'm not tall, I'm not particularly good looking, I've never, never been the smartest kid in the room, but I'm also a little bit unusual. And so I've been misunderstood, I've been misunderstood a lot. And even with some of the flashbacks to some of the people who've left our church, where there was some real misunderstandings, but there was never a point of conversation of just asking me what I actually thought about some things. And that's not unique to me. many of us have been misunderstood over the course of our lives. Whether by race or by the place we were born or things that we suffer physically or what... God knows perfectly who you are. Who you are. What you have suffered. And what we see in Psalm 139 is the songwriter writes about this amazing benefit of God's love. That the all-powerful, all-faithful God who knows us completely with every detail loves us and has purpose that is bigger than our own lives that includes what we suffer and is bigger than what we suffer. I've also had experience, and I want to speak to, we're following Mary on a thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. Mary experiences wonder. And this has also come to me because I've also had dreams. kind of try, I really don't like to talk about dreams because people in, can kind of get weird in how they interpret them. But a week ago, on Saturday night, I had a dream that Jesus returned and that we were in the presence of God. And I heard the worship of the believers before the throne. And it went on throughout the night and I was was overwhelmed. I woke up multiple times, caught up in it and hearing phrase after phrase of praise to God. And then when I woke up to come here, my body felt terrible. (laughs) And so I was sitting here last Sunday going, God, what's up with that? And so it was confusing, so I didn't know if I should even talk about it or even mention it. But another experience that I've had this past month, I think is kind of similar to what Mary experiences in this moment, and that is wonder, amazement, jaw-dropping awe at the one true living God who is awesome. Who, no matter what my body is going through, is worthy of praise. Mary experienced wonder in this faith and reason, in this being theologically grounded as she humbly submitted and gladly rejoiced in a wholehearted devotion to God. There was this wonder. She responds, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There is wonder in who God is, in what God is doing through the good news, through the gospel. And there's two part wonder. There's wonder that God would love her personally, individually, which the psalmist David expresses so well. She, she, verse 46, 47 For he took notice of this, she uses the word lowly, servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Wow, she has realized what this means. And the product in her, from her faith and reason, is wonder. Is wow! God loves me. We learn a little bit about Mary from this story, but we don't really know her, and someday after Jesus returns, we will get to a chance to talk with her and get to know her. It'll probably be a long line. She'll get breaks because some of us will be pursuing other things, right? <laughs> There'll be so much to do. But God knew her precisely, completely, and she was humbled by it. You know, the church I grew up in, we always had a prayer meeting before the Sunday services. And in, in, in our church family, it was a loud prayer meeting with everybody praying out loud at the same time. It's, it's what I grew up in. And when I was Gideon's age, I was uh, praying over in the area where, where the college students were, and there was this uh, Bible college student who I, I still know who was... Um, From Zaire. In fact, his dad was the UN ambassador from Zaire, I think, to Nigeria. And when he was in uh, university before coming to Portland, he was visiting the Acropolis in, in Greece. And someone, as God's will would allow, from Rebecca's parents' church in Monterey, California, shared Jesus with him. And he came to faith in Jesus there at the Acropolis in Greece, radically saved. And that man said to him, and their, their church was actually a lot like ours in, in size and in history and experience, you need to go to Bible school. And he told him about the, our Bible college in, in Portland. He didn't really know anything about it, but he booked a one-way ticket to Portland got out of the airport and just proceeded to walk on the main street from the airport headed south. Holy Spirit guided him on when to take a left on his walk. I know Daniel and Val no long walks through the city like this. He took a left at the right place that went right to the, the Bible College campus walked into the first building and said, I'm looking for Portland Bible College. (laughs) They didn't even have the sign up yet because it had so recently moved to that campus and they said, you found it. It was a different place. It was a different location than the church. And I remember one Sunday morning before church being near him and he's weeping in the prayer room. And they... The prayer meeting had this time where he split up into twos and threes and and pray together, pray for each other. And I turned to him and I I don't know what to say. And uh, are you okay? (laughs) He said, haven't you ever been overwhelmed by joy that God would forgive you? That changed my life. In, in a year when I had gone from being suicidal and erect to, to turning to Jesus, that changed my life. That's the I'll never forget the look in his eyes and that's the conver- that's the conversion experience, that's the love, that's the wonder, that's the devotion that is both the wonder at God and the good news of Jesus and the personal humility of the realization that God would love me. A person who other people misunderstood and didn't love, God would love me. Mary is on this thoughtful journey A wonder. She's also on this thoughtful journey to devotion. And this is why we started with the contrast and the misunderstandings about Christmas at the beginning. What does she say? She responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Servant. There's a word that doesn't get used a lot anymore. A person devoted to another. Committed to serving. It includes this to trust and obey, moving in the direction of the guidance of another person, in alignment with that person. Does this remind you of some of our recent messages? See, the, the polar see, all God gives all of us a brain, right? A spirit, a whole person, and instincts. And what we read about in Proverbs is common sense, understanding. God gives us these things, maybe some more than others, right? And, and, and the relationship with God can give birth to and depth to wisdom, which is knowing how to use those things. But what Proverbs says is that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, What our secular, humanistic, self-deterministic philosophies of America today is that you know what's best. And there's a subtlety there. God can reveal truth to you. God gives you a brain. God gives you the ability to learn. You can know the right things, but you may not always know the right things. And there might be a mixture of data, some accurate, some not accurate. Right? I, was, I was learning a little bit about how archaeologists and geologists have been trying to figure out this gap in the Grand Canyon, in the, in the layers of rock, and the way that they have the dating. There are mysteries that God wants us to pursue, right? So, God, you can have the right idea, but that does not mean that you're the source of all right ideas. Are you with me? If God is the source of all right ideas... And we are going to follow Mary's example in, in her following Jesus and the will of God. This is maybe the most controversial message of true Christmas. Are we God's servant? Jesus, our living example, Lord, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. He models for us humility, submission, being a servant of the living God. We, this is the time of year where it's so easy to say everything is extra, I'm just going to shed it all and I just need some more me time. I think we need some more Jesus time. And I think what Jesus' time brings us to is Holy Spirit, I'm here. Just like Mary and Elizabeth said, they received that unique touch from the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the living God, the revelation of the truth of God's purpose and what God wanted to do, what God wanted to do in making salvation possible. And they said, I am your servant. To any degree that we see decline in Christianity or the American church I think has a lot more to do with people who have attended an event where they've asked God to be their personal assistant and that is the opposite of what we see in Mary's example she didn't invite God's will the Holy Spirit or even the Lord Jesus to be her assistant are you with me? She said, God, I am your servant. And according to her eyewitness account to Luke, she did it joyfully, theologically grounded with faith and reason, with humility, with joy, with gladness. This is what I want to do. She wasn't less busy than you are. She wasn't less smart. She wasn't less pressured. Someday you'll get to meet her and talk to her. She points the way. So what should we do? Let's, let's close just three minutes here, some practical. I want to make sure we leave some, something practical as well. We are in this season of Advent, and I invite you to read the Scriptures. And today we focused on Luke chapter 1. Read the story. Read the story found in Luke 1. Next Sunday, we'll look at Joseph, Matthew chapter 1. Read the stories. Identify what questions you have. Like, for real. Don't just, oh, like, I've heard the stories a thousand times, I've sung the songs a thousand times. No, like, go back and sit with it. We've gone from a culture where we could watch a couple of shows or two to three hours a week of TV watching to binging shows, seven, eight hours. Okay. Spend time with the stories. Identify your questions and search out the answers. Is there some mystery? Is there some motivation to search? Search out the answers that would engage you in your faith and reason, in your whole person. Third, pray asking God for guidance. So read the stories, search out the answers to your questions, and pray asking God for guidance. One of the most important things that I could offer you as wisdom about how to read the Scripture is to read it prayerfully. Don't ever read it without pausing to ask God to enlighten you, enlighten the word. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to give you understanding. Ask God to speak to you through it, starting with what it actually meant to them. Pray asking God for guidance. And along this line that we're talking about with the, with the good news, with God's purpose through the birth of Jesus, the incarnation. Number four, take a next step in your journey. And really what I'm talking about in, in reading and searching out answers to questions and praying and, and engaging with it is a next step in your journey. But what will happen is the Holy Spirit will bring to light one step in particular in the journey that will be like, oh, this is what I need to do as a next step in my faith walk with God. And then take that next step. And lastly, number five, no surprise here, you you guys hear me say it all the time, share this journey with someone in your church family. Over the years, I've heard people say like, ah, there's not anybody in the church that's just like me, I don't have anything in common, da-da-da. You know what you should have in common? Following Jesus. So you know what you can talk about? Following Jesus. (laughs) For real. You know, one of the subjects that people have actually talked to me about over the last decade the least? (laughs) That new thing that's happening in their following Jesus. Jesus. Let's be inspired. Let's not be skeptical. Let's not think they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. Whether it's a question or whether it's an answer, whatever it is, and you're taking that next step in following Jesus, talk to someone. Share the journey with someone in your church family of following Jesus. Let's close in prayer. And then uh, I know parents, if you'll, you'll help us out in the the prep after service for for next Sunday. God, I thank you so very much that you know us perfectly. You know us completely. So God, if there's anything that I've said today that was not relevant to a person's journey, let them shed it easily. But whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is saying, let it come to light. Let it be life-giving in the Scripture. Let it be inspiring. And let it be your word that we take as servants of your purpose. I thank you that through Jesus you have offered new spiritual life, forgiveness of sin, your guidance, and the hope of heaven. We thank you for what you're doing in us, around us, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.